Hello, friends. Welcome to Josiah Venture Stories. You will hear incredible stories of life change from the mission field and be inspired by the movement of God in Central and Eastern Europe. I'm your host, Gwen Gardner, and I am so excited to share today's conversation with you. Today on the show is Kelly Lilpop. Kelly and her husband, Chris, first experienced Josiah Venture when they served at an English camp during their high school years. They have now been serving as full-time staff since 2013. After almost eight years of living and serving in Poland on the Josiah Venture Poland team, Kelly and Chris now serve in the U.S. on the JV International team in the area of partner development. Having lived in Central and Eastern Europe, they are in a unique position to act as a bridge between the American church and God's movement in Central and Eastern Europe. They're working to support Josiah Venture internationally through the area of mobilization and setting up structures for long-term fruitfulness. Kelly, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes, this is so exciting to have you on the podcast and just get to talk with you. Yeah. That's right. And we are both now on the JV USA team, which is awesome. We both yes. serve internationally. We'll get to that more in a minute. But here just at the beginning, Kelly, is there anything you would like to share about yourself? What do people need to know about Kelly Lil Pop? Hmm. Well, um, I guess I'll start by saying that I am an educator at heart. So I went to school to study education. I love communicating and teaching. Um, Fun fact, also, one of my first jobs was as a mad scientist. Um, I taught after school science classes to elementary school kids. So that was fun. Also, I love to read. One of my joys in life these days is a book club that I'm a part of where we just read um, every month. Somebody else picks a different novel that we read. So that's been a lot of fun. And I love taking long walks around my neighborhood. Oh, yeah. I've been to your neighborhood. It's very nice. Lovely trees. (laughs) So lovely. (laughs) Also, you're in a a little bit of a Olympic style club. Oh, when <laughs> do not get me started on curling. That could be a whole separate podcast that I could tell you all about the joy of the sport of curling. For I any folks it. out there who don't know what it is, look it up, watch some YouTube videos, watch some videos on how the game is played, how the points are scored. It's it's so much fun. It's so much fun. So I love it. What is your team name? I know you have creative curling team names. Yes. Um, Well, the area where you score points in curling is called the house. So one great team name as of late was not in my house. Because you don't want the other team to get the points in your house. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Um, But my favorite is read them and sweep. Oh, (laughs) because there's brooms out there. (laughs) Yep. You got brooms, you're sweeping the ice. <laughs> what an interesting sport. So I love that you love curling and it makes my heart so happy. I would love to see you play one day. That would be fantastic. Gwen, I would love to see you play. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, curling. That's fantastic. Um, I love it. I love that you just, yeah, thank you for sharing about your interests. And just so the listeners know, 
Mm-hmm. Kelly, we go way back. We go back to even our beginning journey with Josiah Venture. That's we were up, right. like, yes, we were at the same orientation that Josiah Venture does for all the new missionaries who are raising support. And so we were at that orientation together. Gosh, well, 11 years ago or something mm-hmm. wild. Anyway, and then we've served on the Josiah Venture Kids Camp. Uh, team together. And I love that you're, you know, you're an educator at heart and you love kids. And it's just like, yeah, so great. Shout out to the Josiah Venture kids, by the way. Yes. Yes. Big shout out. One of my favorite groups of people on the earth. On the planet, on the planet. (laughs) All right. So let's just jump into some of these questions I have for you today. The first question, Kelly, is just what has your journey of faith looked like? How did you meet Jesus? Um, Well, I was introduced to faith and to Christ from a young age because my family um, and my parents were believers. So I grew up going to church and hearing the gospel and from a young age decided that I wanted to follow Jesus, um, which I'm really thankful for, very thankful for that gift of having parents who are believers and leading our family to follow him as well. Um, I then later on in middle school, my family experienced a crisis and I was left not knowing, not knowing what to do, not, um, really being able to change anything in a really difficult and painful situation. And as a 13 year old, I had a foundation of faith, but I was really presented with, do I still believe? Can I trust God even in this really, really hard and difficult thing in my family? Um, and so I remember being in my room by myself and really coming coming to a, a place where I had to decide, do I still trust God or not? And it felt like a very clear crossroads. And by God's grace, I chose to trust Him and I chose faith. Um, and I knew that I could follow him even through this scary and uncertain time that we were experiencing. And I'm so glad that I made that decision. So from, from there on out, I had a pretty clear, um, desire to follow Christ. And then there were so many, so many people in my growing up years and my teenage years who helped to guide me and helped me to shape my faith and to seek God and his word and look out for how he was at work in my life. Um, And so, yeah, I just had a really strong foundation and very instrumental people who discipled me as well. Um, But I really had a heart for ministry because in high school, I was really involved in youth group and I started having opportunities to serve through the areas of worship and um, being on the leadership team And then decided to study at Moody Bible Institute. And so got a degree in Bible and education and just continued to cultivate a heart for the Lord and for ministry and continued throughout those years and up till today to see God's faithfulness and how he really never leaves us or forsakes us. He always provides for us and that um, his grace covers us in all things. That's beautiful, Kelly. And I love even part of your story is all about God's grace and how for sure, like we come to some of those crossroads in our lives where we could like, you know, choose to go down one path or the other. And I think, yeah, for sure. I think it's God's grace that is there with us and God leading us. So, wow. 
you went to a, like you served at an English camp when you were in high school. Let's talk about that. Yes. Is that your first JV connection? Um, so my church where I grew up in Colorado supported JV missionaries. Actually, they helped send out Dan and Laura Hash, who are some of the founding um, members of Josiah Venture, missionaries in Poland. So our youth group would send teams to do English camps every year. So when I was 15, I went on a two-week trip to Poland to do an English camp. And Gwen, let me tell you, <laughs> I was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> tell I, me about that hot mess. <laughs> I, was a, I was a faithful youth group kid following Jesus, but I was a mess. So a couple days before we left to go on this big mission trip to Poland, my boyfriend broke up with me. <gasps> Tragedy. <And> so, <laughs> oh. so I, <laughs> during that whole trip, I just remember just being so sad about how my boyfriend broke up with me and not knowing what to do about it. And um, then I was in this strange country where people were speaking a different language all the time. And I was constantly wondering, are they talking about me? Are they making fun of me? Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also remember being really stretched in my faith and pushed um, to share the gospel with the other teenagers who are at the camp who didn't know Christ, the Polish teenagers. Um, and I had some really great youth leaders who were on that trip with me who shepherded my little heart through those weeks as well. Um, but I came home and I thought, all right, nice time. I'll probably never go back to Poland again. Right. Yeah. Why Why would yeah. you? Was that your first time even overseas? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was yeah. my first time out of the country. And I just, I thought it was a nice missions trip, but I, there was nothing in my mind that was signaling, ooh, ooh, this might be a part of your future. So little did I know. Little did. And you're... Now, husband Chris was he also on that trip? But he went. Later. He went a different year. Oh, than I a did, different. But year. we, okay. But we did meet in high school youth group. Yes. Right. Yes. I yes, know high school did. sweethearts love it. <laughs> yes. Okay. So then, yeah, you never thought you'd go back to Poland again. Bye, Poland. But guess what? You lived there for a long time. So how? What is that connection? <laughs> yeah, I ended up living there for eight years. Later oh my on. goodness. <laughs> um. So my husband and I. Got married. Um, we both transferred to Moody Bible Institute. And so we were studying the Bible and had hearts for ministry, but weren't sure what that would look like. And then my husband um, had a requirement to do a cross-cultural internship. And I mentioned earlier that there were some significant people in my life that discipled me in high school. And one of them is a woman named Ivona Eifling. Oh, JV missionary in Poland. Yes, who is a Polish woman and a JV missionary. And she was studying at Denver Seminary. And she was a youth group volunteer at my church and led my discipleship group for four years. Oh, wow. Yes. So, and I mentioned earlier, our church supported Dan and Laura Hash. And then Ivona, she met her husband, Daniel, during that time that I was in high school. And they had moved back to Poland to become missionaries with JV. So when my husband Chris and I were in college and looking to do a cross-cultural internship, we had all these connections to Poland and JV. So we decided to do a Josiah Venture summer internship in Poland during college. It was an amazing experience of being exposed to the needs in Central and Eastern Europe that there really are so few 
um, believers, but also resources to disciple young people and to train up youth leaders. Um, We had been given so much as teenagers growing up with people pouring into us and being involved in youth group and having a leadership team and all these things. And there was only a small fraction of people in Poland who experienced something like that. Mm, mm -hmm. So as we served throughout the summer at different English camps and met different local church leaders in Poland, we really got to see the heart of the few who were really ready to step into youth ministry, even though they had never experienced it themselves. And it was very eye-opening and also really neat to be able to share our experience of faith and discipleship um, with young people and young leaders in Poland. Wow. Yeah. And so then you decided to move out there and live. No, 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 no. (laughs) Nope. Oh, oh. So, Gwen, <laughs> getting, once again, getting ahead of myself. <laughs> once again, I got back from that summer and I thought, I probably won't go back again to Poland. Oh, my goodness. And actually, it's, it's like, that was a great summer. Okay. It, yeah, it was. It was a great summer, um, but we did experience a lot of challenges on our intern team. So, mm. other, we were on a group of five, I think, um, college-age interns, and there were so many interpersonal things to work out. I I learned so much, but it was challenging. Um, but when we got back, we had skipped a whole summer of working to save money. And since my husband and I were married college students, that was a really important time for us to yeah. work and save money. Um, and so we had a requirement of doing this internship, but at the same time, we were missing out on the money. And actually, when we got back from our internship and we got a phone call that we were going to be kicked out of our apartment because we hadn't paid our rent on time. Oh, my. Because <laughs> we hadn't quite made it work financially yet. And so that was that was a really that was a really big deal, a huge struggle for us in our really early 20s at that time and thinking, OK, wait a minute, we've done something to serve God, but now we're experiencing this challenge, this huge challenge, and it seems like we're going to (laughs) be—we don't know what we're going to do. Well, God ended up providing for us in huge ways. We didn't get kicked out of our apartment, and um, some missionaries in Poland asked us to come back again the next summer, and I said, nope. (laughs) No thanks. (laughs) No thank you. That was a big (laughs) sacrifice, and I don't want to be put in that position again. Well, my husband, he did not feel the same way, and he really had Poland on his heart. But we did Mm. not go back right away to Poland the next year. But once we graduated from college, they said, will you please come back again and be interns and lead an intern team? And so at that point, we said, yes, we'll do it. Um, There had been a stirring in our heart over that year about maybe this is maybe this is something that God has for us. Yeah. So we entered into that second internship really praying and asking God, God, is this something you have for us long term? So we led an intern team that second summer in Poland. We really went in with open eyes to observe, is this a place that fits our giftings? Is this a place where we feel connected with the people of the country, where we feel connected with the other missionaries on the team? Um, and as a married couple, we observed one another to see mm. if if it seemed like a good fit for the other person as well. And during that summer, um, there was a moment where we were 
leaving an English camp, taking a train back to the town where the local church that had hosted the camp was from. And I was sitting across in the train car from these two girls. One of them had accepted Christ at the camp, and she was so excited for this new life ahead of her. And the other girl did not accept Christ, um, but she had a great time at camp, and she had a lot of questions about faith. And I remember looking across at these two girls, knowing that they lived in a village, a small town, away from where the church was, away from where that group of community of believers was going to be. And I thought, Mm. who's going to walk alongside these girls when they get home? And I thought back to how, how Ivona had walked alongside of me and discipled me in my faith and how crucial that was. And it was in that moment that I felt the Spirit nudging me and saying, Kelly, you can be you can be one of the people that walks alongside young mm. women like this who are needing someone to help them grow in their faith, faith and nourish their faith. Wow. So that was a significant moment for me. And um, my husband also had his, his journey during that summer that led us both to coming to the conclusion that, okay, yes, the Lord is leading us to this place. And so the night before we went home, we told the missionaries, okay, yes, we want to do this. We want to come and serve full-time with Josiah Venture. Um, And then we ended up moving to Poland in 2013. Wow. Wow. That is a whirlwind. And I love even hearing that, like, I'm like, oh, now, now she's going to be going to back to <laughs> now. Now is the part where she's going to say yes to Poland because it's like I know that you know, like the whole story. You know, I got there. Yeah. I know you got there, but I think it's important for people to hear. But I love that it's a journey and it's a process and it's the process of asking good questions and praying. And I oftentimes I feel like I I want to see the future and I want to know what's around the corner. But I feel like that's again God's grace over us that He doesn't show us those things and like asks us and invites us into trusting Him in the process. Mm-hmm. And so, wow! And then you were in Poland for eight years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And we, okay, we could go down a whole lot, like that. there are thousands of stories that could be told about that time of you guys mm-hmm. living in Poland and you guys did incredible ministry with in, like leading interns and all of that. But today we're going to focus on a little, a different part of your story. Mm-hmm. And that's like why you even left Poland and mm-hmm. transitioning back to America And first, let's talk about how was that transition for you? Was it harder, easier than you thought, more surprising than you thought? And even Mm -hmm. for both of us, our stories are we lived and served overseas for so long, but now we're still serving with Josiah Venture just in a different way. But yeah, share a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, I remember when we went to missionary training before we moved overseas, they said that it takes about two years to adjust to a new culture. And then they had also mentioned somewhere in there that the same is true for when you're relocating back to your passport culture. And I Mm -hmm. thought on both sides of that, I thought, it's not going to take me that (laughs) long. No, like I, before we moved over, I had spent two whole summers and multiple short-term trips in Poland. And I thought, ah, I'll be fine. Um, And it did take me a while to adjust and learn the language and all that once we moved. 
And then when we got to the point of seeking God's direction for the next chapter of our life in ministry and started feeling led to relocate our ministry base to the U.S., um, it was a huge decision because I knew that I had invested so much in Poland. I had given so much of myself, really, and um, had seen God do so much great work in young leaders. I had seen young people come to faith in Christ and then grow into youth leaders and make disciples who were making disciples. And it was a lot that we were leaving behind. Um, but we were, again, seeking God's direction and his next steps. And my husband and I both came again, came to the conclusion that God was leading us back to the States. Um, and it definitely, it, let's see, we've been back now for just over two years, maybe yeah. two and a half years. And I will say it's true that it takes just as much time to readjust to my passport country as it did to adjust to a completely new culture in Poland. Mm, so two years. So now you're like fully adjusted. <laughs> um, let's, I, I think I can securely say that I'll never be the same. And so right. yeah. now that I've, I had given up one home for a new one and then gave up my new home to come back. Um, also leaving behind most of my earthly possessions both times. Um, I now kind of experience a type of unsettledness in a good way that mm. I know that I can find a home wherever Christ leads us. And also that heaven is is eventually going to be my home forever. And that's what I'm heading towards. So yeah, fully adjusted in some ways, yes. And in other ways, I, no. I, I know that this, this place that I currently live will not be my home forever. So, right. I've always loved that thought of I'm just, you know, just passing through. There's <laughs> things to do on earth, but my uh, true home is my heavenly home. I think that's really great to experience all those emotions. Did you experience any like what we call reverse culture shock, like coming back to your passport country? Oh, yes. <laughs> I remember. In the first week that we were back in the States, um, I had to make a phone call about something. I don't know. It was like some uh, to a utility company or something. And in Poland and in Eastern Europe in general, maybe, the communication style is very direct yes. and I would say efficient. Um, in North America, the communication style is the, the value is not on efficiency, but actually on relational connection. So you you can stop and chat with the cashier who is checking out your items at the grocery store and they'll say, how was your day? Oh, good. How was your day? Um, when you go to Starbucks, they, you know, say, oh, hi, how are you? And what's your name? And how do you spell it? And, yeah. <laughs> and those are all things that are not necessary to the transaction, but they're a value of the culture. So in Eastern Europe... That's not, that relational piece of transaction isn't a value. They for sure value relationships, but just not at the grocery store. Um, so I had really 
it was hard for me to adjust to that living in Poland, but then I was really adjusted to it. So once I got back to the States and I had to make this phone call about utilities or whatever, I was working so hard to say, please, and would it be possible to, and could you potentially help me with, which are phrases in Polish that I rarely had to use because it was just like, I need this. Can you give it to me? All right. Yes. No. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Could you maybe kind of sort of help me? And how are you today? And yeah. uh, and I know that's a generalization, but it is true. It's a yeah. true generalization. So yeah, that oh, was definitely hilarious. one thing that stood out to me. Thank you for sharing all the culture shock moments. I love it. Um, well, you and Chris, you've been married for a while now since college, been together mm-hmm. since high school, mm-hmm. and you've been since getting married, you've been on a journey of trusting the Lord to expand your family. And so I want to talk, this is like, I'm so excited for people to hear this part of your journey um, about adoption and what that has looked like for you. So please just share a little bit about uh, your adoption journey. Yeah. Well, Chris and I have been married for 16 years. Oh, my goodness. Um, And we started out in college married, and then we were preparing to go to the mission field. And then we moved to the mission field. And then eventually we um, were wondering why we weren't able to have kids yet. Um, And... I say that kind of lightheartedly, but it was not a lighthearted thing at at the beginning of that time. Um, So we kind of began this whole process of finding things out from doctors and having diagnoses and then being recommended different things and trying different things and to no avail. Um, And there was a lot, a lot of pain and hardship in that time because um, it was a good in natural thing that we desired that we were not able to have. And so that was confusing for us and difficult, um, especially living through that trial in another country um, and away from things that felt most familiar to us. It was a lot to navigate. Um, and eventually the Lord really opened our hearts towards the idea of adoption. Um, There are so many ways to expand a family and not, there's not one way that everybody should do. Um, You really have to seek the Lord of what he has for you and, and for your family specifically. So we, as we had tried different avenues that we felt like God had opened doors to, and then they didn't work out, Um, eventually he really was working on our hearts to say, you know, adoption is, is also a great idea because actually it's God's idea. Right. He adopts us. We're all adopted into his family. He has, he has chosen to adopt us as his children and that can never be changed. And we get to receive an inheritance from him that's unshaken. And, um, so that's an example for us for then doing earthly adoption. Um, so that was part of the reason why we moved back to the U.S. to relocate a ministry base with Josiah Venture to the States was so that we could pursue adoption. We weren't able to do that overseas. Um, So we began the process in 2021. In the spring, we began the paperwork. 
And we really, um, it was a really new venture for us. We weren't, we had talked to lots of different people who had experience with adoption, including adoptees, including a birth mother, someone who had placed a child for adoption in the in the past, um, including multiple parents who had adopted children. And we decided to pursue domestic infant adoption in the States. Um, so we got through all of our paperwork, which even that was funny. People were telling us, oh, it's so much paperwork. It's so difficult. But you know what, Gwen? Once you have applied for a visa in a foreign country multiple <laughs> times, your paperwork tolerance is pretty high. So That's right. That's right. We got experience with the paperwork. And <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that was kind yeah. of funny, actually, right off the bat saying, you know what, Lord, you have prepared us even for this paperwork um, mm. from what we had experienced earlier living in Poland. So... We were waiting to be matched with an expectant mom since we were doing domestic infant adoption. Um, an expectant mom who needed to make a plan to place her child for adoption um, would work with an adoption agency to find a good match of adoptive parents. So essentially, we were waiting to be matched in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and so let's say we started our paperwork in March and later in October, we were matched with an expectant mom. Wow. And after a lot of times of wondering and hearing about different women and wondering, oh, are we going to be matched with them? Are we going to be matched with them? And we weren't. There was a lot of no's before that. And then we were matched. And um, we were kind of terrified of jumping into that next part, but also for sure really thankful for the Lord's provision, because at that point, it had been probably five or six years that we had been trying to start a family. Mm -hmm. um, and so we had some contact with this woman and, via the adoption agency. And it was going to be, I think, four, four or, yeah, let's say four months before the baby was due. Um, we had some contact with her and then we didn't. Um, we didn't hear back from her and we would write to her periodically to see how she was doing and check in and we didn't hear back. And the adoption agency said, you know what, this is not totally uncommon. And also we can't determine what this means for you. Right. So it doesn't mean that she's changed her mind. It doesn't mean that she's planning on moving forward. We really don't know. Um, and we had also attended some training for adoptive parents in the beginning of our process. And they said that it's it's really 50-50. Um, when a woman is in that kind of crisis that she feels she needs to make an adoption plan, we can't know what her decision is going to be ultimately when that baby comes. So it's really something that you have to enter into with an open palm, as I say. You can't grasp grasp tightly to, okay, this is, this is going to happen. This is for sure the thing. This is what God has for us is this exact situation. You have to say in faith, okay, God, this might be it and we're going to trust you. Um, but we know this is not, this is not our baby until it's in our home. Mm -hmm. So walking with that tension was super, super difficult, really yeah. challenging, really stretching of our faith. Um, and in the end, we, only heard back from this expectant mom the day before her due date. Um, we had been getting ready to go and meet this baby. And then we heard back that she had, she had changed her mind. Yeah. Um, and that was 
hard news for us, for sure, because we had been waiting for so many years for a child to join our family. Mm-hmm. But you know what, Gwen? We had also been praying for this woman. Our heart was for her to thrive and to make the decision that she needed to make for her and this child. And so we had prayed specifically for her for clarity and confidence in the decision that she needed to make. Either way, mm. either way, it yeah. would be a difficult decision for for her. Um, and when she finally wrote us back and said, you know what, I've decided I'm going to parent this child, it was so clear that she had clarity and confidence in that decision. Mm. And that just gave us such great peace in the Lord. And you know, also it was a kindness from the Lord that we even heard from her and that we got to see the answer to that prayer because that wasn't a guarantee that we would hear back from her. Um, and so we had peace, but we were also grieving. Yes, we were grieving sure. that this journey of trying to start a family is again elongated. And there had been so many times over the years that we thought, okay, maybe this is it. Okay, maybe this is it. And, and it was not. Um, and the journey just kept continuing. And there were moments where we thought, what are we doing? Why are we, uh, yeah. why are we even subjecting ourselves to this trial? Like we could choose to just stop. But but God, I think, had planted that desire in our hearts and given us the strength to continue. Mm. Um, so we took some time to grieve and reevaluate, which we did along the way over the years. And it was always a great thing to do that. Um, and the Lord just kept meeting us over and over with His kindness and with His compassion. As an important side note, I'll also say we got to see some amazing fruit from that interrupted adoption through mm. some other relationships in our lives mm. of young people that we talked to that were adoptees. And it was important for them to hear our story and our desire, our strong desire to adopt that helped give them a piece of understanding their story a little bit better. Um, also, we got to speak with somebody who um, was a recent birth mother and had placed a child for adoption. And the, our our story of going through the interrupted adoption was what opened the door to her even sharing that with us. And it was such an important and significant conversation. Wow. Wow. So God really, really used that um, that difficult time for us. And we decided that we were going to stay in it. So um, fast forward, I guess, almost a year later, a little bit less than a year, um, we had been wrestling again after about six or eight months. Do we want to stay in this process or is it time for us to to move forward, to move, Mm -hmm. to really embrace the life without children, knowing that God is good and he is faithful and we're going to have a good life. And, you know, it was important for us to be thinking about that over the years. Like, can we be content without children? And it was important for us to come to a place of saying, yes, we can find our contentment in the Lord, but we had to wrestle to get to that place. Um, But we had decided in the fall, this past fall, that we were not going to invest as much time or energy in the adoption process and really kind of scale back on that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then we made some other adjustments. Like we had gotten, we had gotten a nursery ready for a baby to come earlier in the year. Yeah. And we had finally put all of that away and said, you know, this is going to be part of us creating space for other things in our life. Mm -hmm. Um, There were several things 
in in that vein that we were creating space for other things in our life, but still still staying in the process on the waiting list. Well, one day in December, <laughs> I get a phone call from that adoption agency that we had been matched with. And I was so surprised to see that number come up on my phone. Yeah. Um, and actually, I had set a special ringtone for the adoption agency Aww. beforehand. And so my phone started making this noise that it doesn't normally na- make. And I thought, what is happening? And so I pick up my phone and I look at it and I see it's the adoption agency. And I'm thinking, whoa. Whoa, 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 <laughs> What's whoa, happening? whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and I answer the phone and the um, caseworker says, Kelly, we have a match for you. There is an expectant mom and she's due in, it was like six or eight weeks. Whoa. And... um. She told us some more about this woman, and it was incredible how the details of that story really matched up with with what was in our hearts in terms of adoption. And they said, do you want to pursue this? And we said, yes. (laughs) Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, Thank you. (laughs) And we said, Lord, could this be it? God, could this be it after all these years? I had been praying throughout um, the year previous that God would give us some release from Mm -hmm. this heavy journey that we were on of expanding a family, that he would release us to peace or to a child or whatever he had for us. Um, And so I thought, okay, God, is this it? And because our hearts had been broken before, we weren't weren't going into it saying, okay, we know 100%. This is the one. It's going to happen. We entered into it with some trepidation and and knowing, again, it's a 50-50 chance if we bring this child home or not. But at the same time, there were so many things that were just direct answers to prayer that we thought maybe th- maybe this is really it. So we shared with a few people um, that we were rematched and that we were potentially going to bring home a baby in another six weeks or so. And two and <laughs> two and a half weeks later, <laughs> my phone alarm went off in the morning. And I picked up my phone and I had a text message from the adoption agency saying, the baby has been born. And then very quickly, this was at 630 in the morning, very quickly, the text messages continued. So I obviously woke up my husband, Chris. Yeah, I was like, Chris, the baby has been born. What? What What? is happening? (laughs) Very quickly, the text, message, text messages continued to come in. All right. It's a girl. We didn't know the gender. We didn't oh! know the gender. It's a girl. Okay. Oh, my. The, the birth mom is saying that she is very confident she wants to move forward with the adoption plan. Okay. 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 Come to the hospital. All this happened so quickly and so unexpectedly. And I... My first memory of that day is that Chris and I just stared at each other in shock for about 10 solid minutes, I think, before we could really process what was happening. And the other thing is that um, this baby was born out of state. Oh. <laughs> and so yeah, we states away. To states get away. in the car and drive a long time. Um, so we packed our bags. I dug out some of that baby stuff from the closet that I had just put away a few months earlier. And we got in the car and we said, okay, God, this is wild. But at that point, we were very confident we were going to be bringing this baby home. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but we needed his provision along the way. We needed a place to sleep once we got there. We needed um, to fundraise a lot more money to complete the adoption process. There was just so many things. And we call that our day of miracles because not only was this baby born on that day, but God provided for us in ways that we could never have imagined. So um, we got to the the hospital just after midnight, and we walked in, and we were introduced to our daughter for the first time. Wow. Just this beautiful, beautiful, perfect baby girl. And we named her Melody Joy Lil Pop, and she was ours just right away. Um, Wow. And... I could not believe how God had weaved the story together of hers and mine and my husband's and her birth moms to come together for this exact time for for her to join our family. Wow. And so now we have a two-month-old baby girl. <laughs> And she's born in January, right? Born in January. Yeah. My goodness. Melody Joy. That's such a joyful name as well. Just. Yes. Wow. And now you have a little baby girl. As you're you're talking, the the verse in Proverbs uh, came to mind. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And just like. Wow, hope has been deferred and you were having to like trust in the Lord and oh, is this going to be it? And then having to grieve. But then the second part of that verse is, but when desire is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. And just how, just that picture of a thriving tree and God providing and, but the ups and downs and the roller coaster of emotions, this whole journey has been for you guys. And, I just feel like God in heaven was like, just wait, guys, just wait. I have something amazing. So, ah. I love that you use that verse, Gwen, because um, along along this whole road and through these many years, as we had different different situations come up that we thought we might have a baby um, and it didn't work out, I used that verse in an email to a group of people who were praying for us oh. when when one of those situations didn't work out. And, they, and I said in that email, our hearts are really sick right now um, because of this hope deferred again. And mm-hmm. But I wrote the end of that verse that, that we know one day like that our yeah. hope will be fulfilled in the Lord. And we didn't know what that would look like, but we kept holding on to that truth. Mm. And exactly what you said about God, you know, God just knowing the plan for our family. Um, when I looked at Melody, I just knew she was the one we've been waiting for all these years. Oh gosh. Yeah. I guess she, you she was the one and God knew she was the one um, that would come into our family after all these years and all these ups and downs, like you said, and the roller coaster of it all. And praise be to God. He has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. So yes. um, there's, there is so much to our story. And I am 
happily will share more with people who are interested in hearing more about it or who are in the midst of this journey themselves. Right. Um, but God's God's goodness and faithfulness and kindness and compassion have never faltered through it all. Mm. And that's that's one of the questions I had for you, Kelly, is what would you say to someone who is in this season of waiting, someone who is feeling this hope deferred? Because even for the two of us, like we have prayed for each other for, I've been praying for a children for you, a child for you. You've been praying for marriage for me and just like mm-hmm. in that like waiting season. So yeah, what would you say to someone who feels like a oh, hope is deferred again and again and again? Like, what would you say? Yeah, well, there's so many types of waiting, right? Like you could be waiting as a college student to figure out what your career path is going to be, or um, you could be waiting for a family member to have a big change in their life or um, something you want in your own life to come. So there's a lot of different things that we can be waiting for. And I think one of the things I would say is keep your eyes open for the kindness of the Lord in in the waiting. Um, And if it feels too hard for you to see that right now, look backwards. Look backwards and see if you can point out the ways that the Lord has been kind to you and faithful and um, provided for you in the waiting. I know for me, now I have a lot of years to look back on and say, look at the ways the Lord has been kind to me. One of those for me is something as simple as um, there was a season where I had a lot of doctor's appointments and I would have to go and then wait, wait a few hours and then go back to the doctor. And um, there was this great coffee shop that was two blocks away from the doctor that I could go and have a peaceful place. And oftentimes I would just sit and have a cup of coffee and read my Bible. Um, and that was such a provision from the Lord and his kindness to me on days that were generally not fun and painful sometimes. So yeah, I would say, keep your eyes open for the kindness of the Lord. If you can't see it, pray for it, pray for God to help you see the ways that he's being kind to you. And also remember his compassion Jesus's mm. compassion is so great for you in the waiting, no matter what yeah. you're waiting for. He, yeah. he, um, he's fully man and totally understands all the different things that we experience. And so don't forget he's compassionate for you and um, pray that he will embolden your faith to believe that he's not withholding something from you that you should be having right now or that you deserve right now. Mm-hmm. He's not, mm-hmm. that, that was a really big um, challenge for me to believe that God is not withholding good from me. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I struggled through that and wrestled through it, I really came to a place of faith of saying, you know what, God, your goodness to me is full just in who you are. And it's not dependent on the fulfillment of this other desire that I have. Yeah. So remember God's compassion. That was a friend, I had texted a friend um, on a disappoint, a really disappointing day. And I said, how do I keep going? She was someone who had also experienced similar things to me. How do I keep going in this? And her response was not practical advice. It wasn't boots to the ground. Her words were, Kelly, Jesus has so much compassion on you right now. Mm-hmm. And that was transformative mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. The compassion of Christ. Oh, 
That's good. Thank you, Kelly, for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your story. And we're at the end here of uh, the podcast. And as as we work with young people, even you might even just give the same advice to young people. But the question that I ask everyone on the podcast is, what advice would you give to young people today? Yeah. Well, definitely those things are still true. Yeah, Look for God's kindness and <laughs> compassion. But related somewhat to my story, I would say my advice to young people is to bring your pain to God. Mm. Bring mm. your pain to God. Bring your fears to Him and your anxieties. Um, his word says to cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. And that's not a natural thing. That's not always something that we even understand what that means. I think in our faith, we have to just keep trying to cast our cares on Him. But if you bring your pain to God and ask Him for healing and seek Him for healing, you are going to experience the transformation that only Christ can bring. And it might be over, it might be over time. It might be in, in um, conjunction with other things that help to bring that healing in your life. But ultimately, if we do not find healing in Christ, first and foremost, then we're really going to lack the freedom in our lives to live um, in the fullness that God has for us. Mm. So if if that's hard for you, that's fine. You can say, God, this is hard for me. <laughs> right, Lord, yeah. I believe, help my unbelief. And bring your pain to God and seek Christ for his healing and his transformation. Ooh, that's good. I need to hear those things. This is great. Mm. This is so good. <laughs> Encouraging for me. Uh, Kelly, thank you for sharing your story today, sharing about like the whole, the whole process. And now you get to hold your little baby girl, Melody Joy, and continue to trust the Lord for everything else in the future of your life. And is there anything else I like to ask, like anything else you want to share? I'm just, I'm just thankful to the Lord for all he has done um, in my life and in my heart. And it's worth it to follow him. Amen. What's yeah, that, that's great. We can end it there. It's worth it to follow him. Thank you again, Kelly, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Josiah Venture Stories. For more information about who we are and our vision and mission, visit us at josiahventure.com and follow us on social media. If you have any questions about this episode or like to get in touch with our guest, please email social at josiahventure.com. To help more people hear about this podcast, please leave us an honest written review or share this episode on your social media. Thank you, friends, and have a blessed day.